0: As the choir begins to prepare for this special, um, if you'll take your Bible and turn to Psalm 51. They're going to be singing, Cleanse Me, O Lord. This passage here is is written by David. Have you ever found yourself in that time where you're struggling in sin? You see how God sees it. You are broken over it. You are hurt because you have hurt God. As we get to this passage here in Psalm 51, David writes, and he is at that point when the prophet Nathan approaches him and says, David, you are that man. And David realized what he had done before God. And he writes this psalm soon after Nathan approaches him about that sin with Bathsheba and Uriah. And he writes, starting in verse 1, He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. We first must understand that God is a merciful God. God. And he writes in verse 2, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Look, we need to see the sin that we have. I don't know if you're struggling with the sin this morning. or, And I know that we all have struggled with sin. But we must recognize it as God recognizes it as sin. Verse four, he says, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. You see, David submitted to the Lord's will that anything God decided about him would be just in our sin. Do we submit to God's will that anything God decides for us is just many times we say, God, forgive me, but don't 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 have any consequences to this. Do we submit, though, as David has? Verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. It's a great verse there. We are all born sinners. Verse 6, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow." see, the old ceremonial law was to use that blood. There must be a blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. are we thankful for Jesus Christ who has given his blood sacrifice for us? Hebrews 9.22, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Verse 8, I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifice. I'm sorry. Verse 8, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. That means erase them. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know, it is the work of Christ to clean us and to renew us. Verse 11. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. As we understand the old covenant, the Holy Spirit would come and go within those. You think of Samson or King Saul the Spirit would come upon them and then leave. But aren't we thankful for the new covenant? And after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit who's come, Jesus says in John 14 that the Spirit will be with us forever. And in Romans 8, 9, is confirmed that as a believer, the Spirit will never leave you. Aren't we thankful for that? Yeah. 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 David, hear his anguish here as he says that in verse 11, cast me not away. He doesn't want to be separated from God. Verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Let us rejoice that the Lord Jesus restores us, the restoration that we can have in Christ. Listen as the choir sings, create in me a clean heart. May that be our heart's desire as well.
1: Amen. as the choir sang that it's not a normal song maybe that's the first time you have heard that song but it reminds me of the old anthems of times past as uh, in a church or in a cathedral uh, the choir would be on one side and then on the other side and one would give a a uh, a resuscitation, and the other would respond. I'm sure most of you realize that music has changed over the course of church history. In fact, and through the Bible, you'll see different aspects of music in the Bible. And sometimes we read those aspects of music in our modern 21st century. Realizing that in the 3rd and 4th century, when Rome actually became a Christian empire, do you know that it was actually forbidden to sing in church? It's hard to imagine. Uh, Through much of that time up until about the Renaissance, and by the way, I don't claim to be any expert in music. I've asked Yoshi to do some study on this, and my wife was a sacred music major, and you studied church Uh, music and history of church music and it's fascinating to see how different people thought of things throughout the times of of the era and and how people uh, uh, put together these things and of course understanding the Bible was not in the common hand of people until about the 1600s and when the printing press came out there and and all, and so uh, the church would control the aspects of what would go on in the church. And so, for probably 800 years, there was very little singing per se in the churches. And as I understand it, until about the Renaissance. In fact, when singing did come back in the church, musical instruments were not allowed. They weren't allowed. Until finally, what musical instrument was allowed? The organ. Everything else was taboo. But then the organ came in and and then the choirs would sing out there because you can imagine they didn't have hymnals, they didn't have PowerPoint, they didn't, you know, they didn't have that. You know, sometimes it's hard for a teenager to wrap his head around that there was no cell phones back in the 1600s. Yeah. Some of you old folks remember when we didn't have TV. <laughs> Y'all remember that? And so, y'all, y'all tell me how old you are now, all right? So be careful. And, and, so, and so it was that these, these, these in fact, uh, chants. We, uh, Yoshi and I did a little study on some of these psalms where it talks about they spoke them. You've heard of the Gregorian chants? Some of my favorite, of course. Uh, not, not really, but, but they were spoken. And then these anthems were the, the choir. And by the way, do you know that there was a, an example of that in the Old Testament where uh, Moses in the last uh, year of his life, he had Israel, some tribes on Mount Gabor, uh, G- uh, Gabor, uh, Gabor, Gerizim and the other one on Mount Ebal. And, uh, one would be giving out, uh, and as representation of the praises and the blessings of serving God and on the other side the curses and things if you don't serve God. And they would, they would go back and forth through this valley that was between these two mountains. They would read the scriptures that way. The psalms sometimes were chanted or given as poetry because much of music is poetry. And all, and so as we see this evolution of music in the churches, and I'm so glad that uh, we can have a good music service and we can sing as uh, unto the Lord. And that song there is there from uh, Psalm 51. And truly about David. And you know, I, w- I was thinking about this as, as they were singing it this time. I was thinking about this wordless book as they were singing, Blot out, blot out. My sins, blot out my transgressions. And the only way your sins can be forgiven is by the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood on Calvary. And I want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, I'm not talking about in your head, but in your heart, you've established a relationship with him, that he is your savior. I want to encourage you to call out unto him and have him blot out your transgressions. And then he says, make me white as snow. You know, when God looks at us today, He sees that our sins have been forgiven. We've been cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that great, Joanne? So great. God has forgiven me of my sins because of the blood. And if you've not had that happen to you, I encourage you to establish a relationship with the Lord. Truly, we see that even great men of God in the Bible, even though they had a relationship with God like David, David was a king after God's own heart. Isn't that right? And you see what he has done after he becomes king of Israel. He commits adultery and he commits murder. In the New Testament, it says that he's a king after God's own heart. Not because of what he has done, but because of God's mercy. David is in heaven. And that is to all of us. Great is his mercy. We need to understand that this morning. His mercy. You think of Abraham. You know, we had a wonderful study at 830 this morning by the Turner, and we were looking into uh, what chapter was that? Uh, chapter 16. You know, it's in chapter 16. It's the story of Abraham and Hagar. Abraham and Hagar. Here, Abraham, the greatest of patriarchs, the father of the Israelite nation, and there he leaves. He's called. He leaves the land of Ur of the Chaldees, about four or 500 miles, goes to the promised land. There's famines, and there's he, he doesn't trust God. It was an interesting comment how that brother Turner brought out here that we'll make decisions, and he went into to Egypt, and he comes out of Egypt With Hagar. Not as a wife or a concubine or anything else, but as a a gift to Sarah. And uh, there, after a period of time, Abraham was called to establish this nation at 75 years of age. Sarah was how old? 65 years of age. When did they have Isaac? When he was... A hundred years of age. Do you think that you could get a little impatient? Hey, listen, when you're asked to have a child at 65 years of age, we better have this thing pretty quick. However, Hebrews tells us that the reason the delay was there was because God wanted people to see the hands of God, not the hands of man. Consequently, though, in our impatience, which I'm sure that there might be one or two in this room that have impatience. Things don't move along as fast as you'd like them to move. In their impatience, they decided, you know, we're going to take this matter into our own hands. And Sarah says, listen, let's, let's, have, let's, let's get, go ahead and get on with this stuff. And so Sarah offers up her handmaid, Hagar, to go in and have a conceptual relationship with Abraham, and they bring forth a son, and his name was Ishmael. Is there a group of folks who claim Abraham and Ishmael as their patriarchs? Yep. It's the Middle East group of, of folks out there, and yet God and His sovereignty... You know, uh, as Alicia Schick says, you know, you can make your choices, but you don't have the choice of your consequences, And we see godly people, we see good people making wrong choices. And God is a merciful God and is willing to forgive. And as Pastor Dan said this morning, maybe you're going through a struggle in your life and maybe there's something that's going on that that you need to get corrected. We have a God who will forgive us, though I will not take God's grace and God's mercy for granted. Romans chapter 6 says, God forbid... How that we dead to sin should continue therein. Man, God saves us. We need to be a changed person. We need to be born into God's family. Being born again, having our sins blotted out. And David is crying out and he realizes how wicked and all the things that he had done after the prophet Nathan had came and exposed that to him. It's amazing that he didn't discover that beforehand. Wouldn't you say, Pastor Dan? Some people say maybe five years passed, two years. We're not sure how many years it passed before he comes to the grips of where he was with God. And listen, you come to grips with where you are with God and God breaks your heart. Praise the Lord for that and get right because God's the one that's doing that. This morning, if God's speaking to your heart and saying you're a sinner and you need a Savior, praise God that God's speaking to your heart and call out to Him and says, Oh God, save me lest I perish. And spend eternity in hell. I'm going to tell you something, my friends. We need to call out to Him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm glad I called out to Him. We see these people. And and by the way, do you know Ishmael was born when Abraham was 86 years of age? 86 years of age, he still had 16 more years to wait before Isaac came along. May God help us with our choices and not take God's mercy for granted, but understand that God is a merciful, merciful God and wants to save our soul. Well, I am thrilled with the message of music this morning, the message in our verses this morning. I talked to Ernie this morning and, and said, you know, it's amazing how that he has... Uh, prepared uh, this on Monday, and I've had this message prepared for two months, all right? I just want you to know that, but we're kind of going through it step by step. Have you noticed that? And we're back to the glory of the Lord, and I don't know if we have ushers back there that uh, maybe could pass this out, if there's anybody that has not brought this. Uh, Have you... Maybe we could have, uh, David, would you, uh, let's see, we got Brother Dean back there, he's going to get them, and uh, if you did not bring yours, that's fine, I mean, it's been three weeks since we've gone over this, and and, uh, you might want to keep this in your Bible for a little bit. If you need one, would you raise your hand, Brother Dean will get that out, and uh, we've been going over this, and and, uh, you know, I really thought that we'd be able to cover this in a couple of weeks, Well, we're on two months, some of that is... I've been gone, uh, but and so don't uh, you know that there's a truth to there. But uh, you know, if this is the primary purpose of our life is to bring glory to the Lord, we need to get it right. And for whatever reason, God is arresting my soul. And I had prepared what message I'd have today, and going on to the next step. But this morning, God just caught my attention, and I want you to turn to our our, our next uh, portion of scriptures, and that is uh, John. Excuse me, Psalm. 100. Psalm 100. And as I think about the music that was sung and the verses that were sung, for us to bring glory to the Lord, we need to understand it. I am a destination person. That's my personality. I want to get to where I need to go. Uh, you can ask all six of my kids when we go on a trip, it wasn't a matter of whether you had to go to the bathroom or not, it's how long can you hold it because we're going to get there. Maybe that's why God gave me six kids to begin working on my patience. I don't know, but but, uh, we've got a destination. We're going to get there, but we need to enjoy the journey. And God's been working on my heart on that, that we begin to enjoy the journey in a greater capacity. So here in psalm 100 where you got your bible there and and just as we go other verses i want you to write these verses down you'll you'll see where we are on this as i go through the outline that we've been going through uh we talked about the glory of the lord and we've been uh looking at the uh, definition i'm not sure whether i got my right glasses on or not you all look a little fuzzy out there let me see well, I won't say you look any better, but that does clear. <laughs> you know, sarcasm runs well in our family. You know, we we really don't show that we love each other unless we we have a little bit of sarcasm in there. All right, so I love you. And so when I say that, you understand for our guests that are here, that's just the pastor's way of expression how much, expressing how much he loves you. you. Say, boy, pastor, I don't know if I want to become part of that kind of a church or not. Well... There's other things this pastor does that you'll figure out once you've been here for a while. Anyways, it's Psalm 100. Let's go there and let me see if I can get my notes back in order. I sometimes in preaching two services, uh, one after the other, I get my notes all mixed up. And uh, surely that's what's happened here. But uh, there they are uh, over there. So we'll get them all straightened around and let's ask God uh, and the short time that we have left say that's another reason why we go so long as we goof off too much in church. So uh, you get it, all right? You get it. I I will I want you to get it. The definition of the display, that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks, and then we'll conclude with the defeat down the road here of what defeats the glory of the Lord. Well, we've talked about the Definition is It's reflecting God. It's being godly. It's being like God. I want people to see God in my life. What would Jesus do? We've talked through creation, how creation shows the glory of God. Christ shows the glory of God. The church shows the glory of God. Christians are to be the light in this world. He came to, came to light our, our soul that we can be a light in this world. And then we talked about reflecting God in our responses. As God would in our attitude, in our attire, in our ambitions, in our attendance, in our appetites, in our attention, in our abilities. And then this morning now in our appreciation. You say, Pastor, I've missed some of these. Let me encourage you that you can find these on our website, www wbcugene.com wbcugene.com and you can look under the sermons and discover this as a series. Lucas, are we putting these in in the series of the glory of the Lord? We will, and they'll be there. And so you can go back and look at some of these. They've been basically the last messages that I've been preaching here in our appreciation. You know, the Bible says that in the end times that people will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. The Bible says that children will be disobedient to parents. The Bible says that there will be a lack of appreciation. You know how important it is to show our appreciation while we have the opportunity to do so. You know, we've had the deaths of several folks in our church and and our, our loved ones and all show our appreciation, let people know how much we appreciate them. And here in Psalm 100, as as uh, God just gotten my attention, I was just going to read Psalm 100 this morning. And all of a sudden, I, I started looking at some of the words. Now, how many have read Psalm 100 before? Probably every hand. That's right. And, and, and uh, 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 Mrs. Purrington came up to me after. She says, you know, uh, a friend of mine and I are memorizing Psalm 100. And she said, thank you for explaining the words that are there. I tell you what, this book is a living book. And I don't tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've read Psalm 100, but every time I read it, it's a blessing because it's an organic book. There are three different words that are used here. In fact, you'll see it the, the title, a psalm of praise. There are three different Hebrew words that are used for praise or thanksgiving or adoration. And if God put those words in there, he intends there to be just those slight bit of differences in those words. When I come across a person who says, well, it's just a good book written by man. I am tempted to say, apparently you have not read it or studied it or else you would not have made such an idiotic statement. It's not just a good book. It's not written by man. It is a divine authored book. Yes, there are 40 human authors that span this time of 1,500 years. But as you read it, you understand there's one divine author given to us by inspiration. And it needs to be loved and it needs to be appreciated. You know, when I got saved, God changed my taste buds by the way, that's one of the evidences of being saved as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they might grow thereby. That's one of the evidence of being saved. I want to discover what's in this book. That's one of the exciting aspects that happened in my life. And I'm sure to many of us this morning, we want to know what it says. But I tell you what, you read it and you read it and there's just so many things. And God this morning just arrested my attention. I I started reading these things and I said, you know, what does that mean? What does that mean? And so let's begin reading in verse uh, 1. And by the way, you'll notice that there are many verbs here in this portion of scriptures. Make, know, enter. These types of words, they are in the Imperative. Imperative is the voice of command. Sometimes there's indicatives, which is declarations of, of statements of truth. Sometimes there is uh, uh, imperative. Uh, then sometimes there is interrogative. Uh, some of you have heard of that as interrogative as that is asking a question. Sometimes there's subjective tenses, those types of things that are here. But an imperative is a command. It is not a suggestion. And so as we read this psalm, we need to understand that God is commanding us. People have said, well, I've obeyed the Ten Commandments. I'm going to tell you something. No one really has obeyed the Ten Commandments. And the Lord Jesus Christ tried to show how fickle it was if you tried to obey the Ten Commandments. As people tried to show their own righteousness, he approached them and saying, all right, let's see if you really have. He says, on adultery, if you look upon a woman and lust after her in your heart, you've committed adultery in your heart. How many people I have run into that say, I'm pretty good? Well, the Bible says, I would not known sin, but by the law. And so guess what we do? We try to bring them to the law and show them how that they are sinful and in need of a savior. And so here, there are so many imperatives in the Scriptures. And you can't take this out and say, listen, this doesn't matter. This doesn't mean it to me. Yes, this is God talking to us. All scriptures given by inspiration. And it is profitable. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Now, when I read that, I thought, man, that's a good verse. Yoshi. Yoshi. I can get up and I can make noise. And I can be joyful about making noise. You all know what I'm talking about? You're not necessarily gifted in singing. This verse is really not even talking about singing. And in fact, when you discover about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and things like that, as I've already said, sometimes they were chanted, sometimes they were declared. This word here, make a joyful noise, though, it has the idea of a military response. It is, uh, Brother Mike, it is actually the idea of like sounding the trumpet, warning, danger. When we think of the Psalms, we think of human emotions and truly there are Psalms of joy and gladness. uh, But there are songs of warning. And you need to listen to the trumpet, and we need to heed the warning. And that's what he's bringing out here in this word, joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Then he says in verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Right or wrong? Absolutely. Serve the Lord. He is the master of my life. I want to ask you a question. Do you serve the Lord with gladness? Sometimes. Sometimes not. Fifty dozen cookies! What's wrong with this church? Just because Walt had his birthday and he told me he's 81 years of age. I can't believe that. Can any of you believe that? 81 years of age? I've known Walt for 36 years. But Walt does not want to make 49 dozen cookies. Save one. <laughs> We can join in together. And there's a serving the Lord with gladness. Amen. These faith promise cards that we're dropping in, we should be serving the Lord with gladness. A privilege. When we go out and frame at the property or bake goodies or just go out there and do whatever God calls us to do, we need to do it with gladness. Someone said this morning... Uh, Jerry videotaped us putting up the first wall. My wife heard it and she says, man, it sounds like you all are in pain. Because we had to grunt as we put it up there. I mean, it was it was tough. And we put up the, the other uh, wall uh, yesterday and we got, did I say this already? We got it up so far and we thought for sure we weren't going to get it down. But we had Yoshi there and boy, we got it up. <laughs> By the way, Yoshi came in in... In good use yesterday. (laughs) I dropped my tape measure. Off the platform. Down through a 16 by 16 hole. Mike Smith says, you know, I'll go get it. And I looked at that 16 by 16 hole. And I looked at Mike and I said, we need to get Yoshi. Mike started going down there, but I saw we were in real problems when his hips got into that, you know. I said, Mike, I'll not be able to lift you out. Let's go get Yoshi. Now, I'm not sure Yoshi was doing it with gladness, but he had respect enough to say, I'll do it. (laughs) And Yoshi said, he says, I think I can get down, but I'm not sure I can get back up. And I didn't, I didn't want to tell him. I didn't want to tell him. This. I'm not sure you can get back up either. But I said, Yoshi, I'll help you up. And I'm glad he doesn't weigh 215 pounds. And Yoshi's here today. So you know the end of the story, right, Yoshi? Serve the Lord with gladness. I'm telling you what, we had as a time out there at the property. And sometimes in our own flesh, it says, man, I don't want to do this. You ever had that come? I don't want to do this. God changed my heart. Changed my heart. Serve the Lord. He is the Lord of our lives. He's the one that tells us what to do. Many of you know that I've worn for many years uh, what they call the wordless bracelet. And on there, it has the different colors for... um, the gospel, so the wordless book, so you could help someone come to Christ. And I've led a few folks to the Lord with that wordless bracelet. And uh, Taryn, a friend of Alicia, sent Janie and I a, uh, a couple of bracelets. Now, I'm not in to, to, to wearing a lot of jewelry. You know what I mean? I, I just, I grew up in a generation where, you know, the hairy chest and the gold chain just was not a part of my generation I'm thankful because I don't have the hairy chest first of all, right, and then can't afford the gold chain and all those kinds of things, but you know what it is it is but but anyway, she sent us a bracelet, and i was I was real hesitant to put it on, but it has magnets in it, and magnets are supposed to help you. Have you noticed any difference? I'm not sure I have either, but i they're supposed to help you, and so I put it on, and as i was I was wearing it, I began to look at it in a different way now now um I forget who it was in the service. says, you know, those magnets. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto thee. You know, the magnets can testify to the fact of drawing. Yeah. But I started looking at this a little bit different. What does that look like to you? Am- missing in action. All right. That's, uh, and there's a lot of different aspects of bracelets and things like that. What does it look like to you? Shackles. And I started looking at this a little bit different. That when I look at that 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 I am shackled. I'm a servant. And on there it has a name. What's the name? It says Jesus. Jesus. And so when I look at this, I am reminded that I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. May God help us in whatever we do as we go through the psalm, which is very normal and natural to read these scriptures and, and to know about these things. But there needs to be things in our lives that remind us of the truths of the scriptures. You'll find in the Old Testament that they would post things on their walls and on their doorposts and they would put the Word of God like frontlets on their eyes so that they would see straight. We need to see straight who we are. If you've been saved, you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your bodies and your soul and your spirit. We are to be living sacrifices. My life is not my own. A servant with gladness. You know, if you got a rotten attitude, this would be a good thing to change, wouldn't it? To serve our attitude change, our appreciation. Uh, it'll change how you go in your life. Uh, we have, um, <clears throat> as you know, we have stairs up to my office. And Cheryl, I, I don't know what she does all day, but she sits up there. And whenever I climb up the stairs, she has a different comment for me. Because a lot of times when I get at the top of the stairs, I'm winded. Now, that always bothers me because our dear sister, um, Donna Walser, before she died, I heard her climb up the stairs and she was really winded. God took her home so graciously. <laughs> but uh, Cheryl said, I'll be so glad when we get in the new building and your office will be on the first floor. <laughs> and I, I started thinking about that. I said, yeah, I'm tired of going up and down. And I started thinking a little bit more about that. I'm tired of going up and down emotionally. Tired of going up and down spiritually. May God help us to go on and to serve the Lord with gladness. There's a remedy here. There's a prescription in this passage that is so, so powerful. It says, uh, come before His presence face to face. Come before His presence with what? Singing. Come before His presence we're singing, know ye that the Lord, it says, know ye, not just, just know about him, but know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. Thank the Lord for that. Now, to many of us, Josh, you probably think, you know, it's God who made us, not evolution. We didn't come from slime or monkey or something like that. We came from God. But the the verse here is, yes, there's that aspect of it because we are created in his image. But the idea here is he's made us. He's made us who we are. He's fashioned us. He's formed us. He's given us gifts and talents. He's the one who's made us. We are. Listen, when you hear someone say, I am a self-made man, that is an ungodly statement. I'm going to say more when we go to the defeat of the Lord, uh, the glory of the Lord by pride. You know why God hates pride? You think about it. He does not want to share His glory. He has given to us the opportunity to serve Him, but for His glory. And because He's the one who's made us. He's the one who's created us. He's the one who enables us. And then it says uh, uh, there, we are His people. If you're saved, you're belonging to Him. You're a sheep of His pasture. Listen, you know, this idea of the universality of the Godhood or the fatherhood of God is unscriptural. God is not the Father of all mankind. You read in John chapter 8, where the Pharisees, the religious right, the religious people, the, the, the Pharisees of Pharisees. And Jesus Christ says to them in John chapter 8, ye are of your father the devil. Can you imagine telling people that today, Brother Ernie? Everybody wants these warm, fuzzy feelings that we all belong to God. No, that's not it. You must be born again to have a heavenly Father. And He wants to save you and give you eternal life. I encourage you in that. We are His people. And this morning, if you know Jesus Christ, you are His people. Then He says, enter into His gates. With thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. The word thankful there is the word adore him. Enter into his gates. With thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You know, I like starting my day off with devotions. I really do. Uh, Some people are not mourning people. How many are not mourning people? All right. How many people are not night people? How many people are not people at all? (laughs) You ain't figured it out yet. Well, if I try to have my devotions at night, that's history. If some of you had tried to have your devotions in the morning, you might have trouble with that. And by the way, on the Jewish calendar, uh, the day starts at 6 o'clock. Isn't that right? So whether you do it at nighttime or in the morning, but, you know, I like to have my morning devotions And uh, I was uh, 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 reading this article, and as I've already talked about how that music has evolved and changed over the years. I'd like to, just in closing, give you a a hymn story, Brother Ernie, if that's that's okay. It's it's probably a hymn story you've never heard before. This was, in old times, church hymnals were divided into topical segments, and several passages uh, were often devoted as morning hymns. Morning hymns. For uh, uh, this one uh, English hymn was written in 1674. The chorus of the refrain to this morning hymn was written by Thomas Ken. And uh, he was an educational leader at Winchester College. At the time, listen to this, at that time, hymn singing was frowned upon in the church. But often used in private devotions. Is it all right to sing songs during the week? He has put a new song in my heart, even praise unto him. Uh, Like one lady said uh, when we were lifting that wall, instead of it be greater greater for us to sing sing a song as we lift up that, that, that that wall. Wouldn't that be something, Jerry? Can you imagine us singing Amazing Grace? Ah, amazing Grace, how
0: sweet the sound!
1: we get it up there? Yeah, we're challenged by that. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> Scare the neighbors or what? But, but him singing it was for private devotion. Ken, this teacher, professor, wanted his scholars to start each day with an attitude of praise. And so he wrote a personal hymn for them. I think when my mind goes off in the morning, oftentimes I think about what I have to do, the problems, the struggles, and things like this. I want to challenge you. Turn the song in your heart to praise. This song was written for that. Awake, my soul, and with the sun, thy daily stage of duty runs. Shake off, dull sloth, and joyful rise to pay thy morning sacrifice. Direct control suggests this day all I design or do or say that all my power, with all their might, in thy soul glory may unite. Awake my soul and with the sun. The refrain, you all know it. You say, I'm not sure I know that song. How many know that song? Why don't we sing it together? The refrain goes like this. Sing it with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Thomas Ken wanted his students to sing that every morning. Can you imagine if we sang that every morning? The doxology. I dare say that's probably the first time you heard that hymn story, Ernie. Wonderful. Praise God. You know, we used to sing this at college, didn't we? Every chapel service. Is that right, Kelly? Every chapel. You know, it would have been neat had we heard this story. Because I started thinking, you know, from my background and my religion, I never wanted to do things by rote. We ought not to be doing things by rote. We ought to be putting our heart into whatever we do for God's glory. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Father, I thank you so much that we can we can hear uh, this marvelous psalm, Psalm one hundred. We've heard it time and time again. But just like the doxology, there are so many things that we do not know. But yet, Lord, I pray that you'll give us a hunger. I pray that, you, that you'll that you change our appreciation, our appreciation for people, our appreciation for you. I pray that we'll grow in grace and in knowledge of Jesus Christ. I pray that, Lord, that you continue to help us to see those areas that we need to improve our lives. And if we are struggling with sin this morning, Help us to cry out unto Thee. If we're not saved this morning, help those that are not saved to get saved. Make other decisions. We had one come this morning for baptism. Maybe some folks need to join the church and say, I need to get involved. I need to serve the Lord with gladness. God changes. This is not an exercise of futility, my friend. We are here to hear the Word of God and let it do its work in our lives. And if God has worked in your life this morning, will you make the right decisions? It might be where you need to call out unto Him and say, oh God, save me. It might mean to make a decision to enter into His gates not with grumbling and complaining and all the things that caused Israel not to go into the promised land for 40 years. It needs, needs to be a change in our life and sometimes we need to put some, some mile markers there so we can see where we are. Recognize what's going on. And I thank the Lord for our growth here in this church as we are a work in progress. But, you know, as I make some progress in my life, I realize how much more needs to be made. And if you're there this morning, let God do His work. Because someday, as Brother Wayne sang in his wonderful song, The King is Coming, the hammers will be laid down. There'll be no more opportunities to bake cookies. All for Jesus is done here in this world. And we'll give an account of our stewardship, of our finances, of our families, of our decisions. Listen, my friends, we are serious about our King and our Lord. And though I put this bracelet on to remind me that I am His servant, I am glad that I've accepted the Lord and I'm glad that I have surrendered to do what God wants. When it comes to faith promise, it's not about what I want, it's about what God wants. When it comes to baking cookies or working on the building, it's not about what I want. God, what do you want? And so we don't ask you just to fill out or throw the paper away. We ask you to make good decisions. Do what He wants. He's the Lord. And so, Lord, now as we know we're going to stand face to face someday before you and give an account of our lives, I pray that decisions are being made. There might be some here that are calling out to you to be saved. There might be some here to are saying, I need to follow the Lord in obedience and baptism or church membership or, or uh, whatever you'd have me to do on these pieces of paper that are given to me. Though they're just pieces of paper, they need to be my heart's commitment unto thee that I want to do what you want me to do. Speak to our hearts and show us. Maybe it's getting up in the morning and starting having a time of singing the doxology or praising you and turning the the rat race of our life into oh, that which will bring you glory because that's what this is all about. Have your perfect will and way. Now seal these decisions upon the courts of eternity and those decisions that still need to be made, help them to be made in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing 500 and. 520 face-to-face. Let's stand together. 520 face-to-face. All these memorials, all these funerals. Someday we're going to be face-to-face with Him. Do you know Him? Are you growing in Him? Do you show your appreciation to Him? Are you thankful? Are we praising Him? Do you know this world? You know, one person came up to me after the first service. He says, you know, a lot of, 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 of Islamic people are standing up there and they're shouting their war songs. Psalm 100 verse 1. Make a joyful shout and praise Him. Let this world see that we serve the King of kings and the Lord of glory. Let's sing it together page 520 face to face That song, I'll see him by and by. You know we're going to be neighbors up there. Aren't you glad for that? The reality. By the way, he's with us right now. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He has a plan for our lives. Let's go out and fulfill it. If there are other decisions to be made, please visit with us. If you filled out some of these cards and, and pieces of paper and you need to drop them off at the Welcome Center up here on this altar, either place is fine. If you want to sign up for cookies, you do that. Tonight, we'll be back at 6 o'clock. We'd love to have you back this evening. God bless you. You're dismissed.
0: Amen.